did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto the strange cities. Verse 12, it continues. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus. Here we find the story of Saul of Tarsus, which would later become the Apostle Paul on that uh, that famed road to Damascus. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? This is God talking to Saul of Tarsus on his way. And the God of heaven begins to answer him exactly who he is and what his name is. In the last part of verse 15, he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Amen. Jesus speaks to Saul what he's fixing to do in Saul's life. And he says in verse number 18, and here's where I want to take my text today, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Could you say that with me? From darkness to light. Let's say that one more time. From darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And I want to preach for a few moments this morning and into this afternoon about from darkness to light. From darkness to light. Could we set our Bibles aside and ask the Lord to talk to us today and that God would anoint my lips of clay and your hearts to receive. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into the house of God one more time. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to hear your voice. To hear your word preached, God, I am praying, Lord, for the anointing, God, of the men of God that have gone on before me to come upon me. I pray, God, for the anointing of God upon the people of God, as it has upon previous generations to respond to the word of the Lord. Let your word take root in our hearts. Let it find a place in our hearts and let it produce fruit on the inside of us. And we'll not fail to give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. The story uh, here we find in the book of Acts chapter 26 is that the Apostle Paul, uh, some years following the road to Damascus experience, was standing before King Agrippa in direct fulfillment of the prophecy of the word of God that you would stand before kings and you would stand before rulers and you're going to you're going to say things to them, and I'm going to give you the words. Apostle Paul finds himself fulfilling prophetic uh, words uh, for the church. And I still believe that God would use this church. God would use the church of 2018 to stand before chief executive officers. God would use the church to stand before presidents and senators and those in political power, and those that uh, may be judges and whatnot, to proclaim the message of hope. I believe that... God has that future for the church, amen, to stand before kings and before men of great renown and declare to them the word of God. And so the apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa and he began to tell the king uh, about the power of God and how it had performed miracles in his life. Uh, the apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa and he began to tell the king, there was a time in my life, oh great king, that I was... Uh, I was involved with uh, a great effort, and I, it was a noble effort in my estimation, in my view. The effort with which I undertook was to exterminate Christians from this earth. And I was, I was trying to fulfill uh, the work that I, I thought it was God's will because I thought these people were
were blaspheming the, the word of God. I thought the, the Christian church was, was, a, was a heresy. I thought that the, the Pentecostal group, the apostolic group was a, her, was a bunch of heretics. And, and I did not agree with them. And I, and I felt like I had scripture to prove it. But and I want to tell you, King Agrippa, I was sincere. I was sincere in my zeal for God. I thought I was doing the will of God. Can I tell you today that it is possible to be sincere in your, your pursuit of doing the will of God, but be sincerely wrong? Amen. The Apostle Paul found in the early stage of his life that he was, he was sincere. He was zealous, amen, to do what he thought was the work of God. He, he, he looked at the church and he thought, those people have lost their ever-loving mind. Those people are, are wrong in their, their doctrine, their approach, and their handling of the Word of God. They do not know what they're doing there. They're in error. They're in false doctrine. And the apostle Saul of Tarsus in that time of his life, as he was called, began to pers- persecute the Christians. He was, he was going to give his life to see in the extermination of the Christian church. That is what the goal of Saul of Tarsus was. And Saul of Tarsus not did not realize that in this time of his life, in fact, as he thought he was doing the will of God, he was actually in a state of darkness. He was actually in a state of darkness. And he did not know what he was doing because God had not shown his light upon Saul's life. And so Saul, the apostle Paul begins to tell the king Agrippa, there I was doing what I thought was the work of God. And I was going out to kill the Christians, and we were successful in one endeavor. And we were able to stone Stephen. We were able to, to take down a great prophet of this false doctrine church. And we had Stephen stoned to death. And I was involved in the killing of Stephen. I was involved in, in casting that stone. I was involved in, in, in helping people to facilitate the persecution of the church. That was my story, King Agrippa. I thought I was doing the will of God. I thought I, I had the truth. I thought I was, I was uh, in the will of God. But in fact, I was in darkness. And I'm going to tell you, King Agrippa, there came a point in my life that I needed to go from where I was to that city, that great city called Damascus. And so I set out, oh great King Agrippa, on that road to Damascus. And I was there with all of my entourage and, and those, those hit men that were with me. Amen. Those people that were going to carry out the murders, the executions of the Christians. And we had devised a plan how we were going to take out the church in Damascus. We were going to take out the church that was there, uh, that was there, and we had set our sights upon them. And King Agrippa, I'm going to tell you, on that road to Damascus one day, I thought I was doing the will of God, and suddenly out of nowhere, I'm going to tell you, a light shined upon my path. And that horse that I was on, that stallion that I was on, it fell to the ground. It, it bucked me and I fell to the ground. And there was a voice that spoke to me out of heaven. And it said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I thought I was doing the will of God, Agrippa. I thought I was in the perfect will of God. But I was in darkness. I was sincere, but I was sincerely wrong. And I'm going to tell you that light shined upon my life. And I asked, who is it, Lord? What's your name? Who are you? Who, what is the name of God? And the voice came back and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And suddenly my world began to change. My world began to shift. There began to be a transformation that took place in my life. I want to tell you, when you really come in contact with God, when you really come in contact with the God of heaven, there's going to be some light that shine, amen, that shines upon your life. There's going to be some movement. There's going to be some rustling. There's going to be some discomfort. There's going to be a Saul of Tarsus that falls off of this high horse. There's going to be some uh, reckoning that you have to come to grips with. The fact that I am not where I need to be. I, I've been doing things the wrong way. And God will shine a light and God will speak to you. God will speak to you because if you are truly sincere in your approach to know God, if you're truly sincere in your approach to, to have a relationship with God and you're seeking Him earnestly and you're giving tithe and offerings and you're, you're praying, God is going to reveal Himself to you. Cornelius, all of those years of his life, his prayers and his alms, amen, he was daily praying. He was always giving his, giving his alms, giving his tithe, giving his offerings. 
He was lost in that effort. You say, how could that be? A man that prays and a man that gives. And a man that has a good home, a good family, a good heart. Cornelius, a good man. But the Bible says that God honored his effort and God revealed to him salvation. And similarly, Saul of Tarsus had that sincere desire to to do the will of God. He would stop everything else he was doing. He would stop whether it was his uh, his tent making abilities and he would set out. He would leave his 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 corporate job of building tents or whatever it was. And he would say, I'm going to give my life to seeing the will of God unfold. I'm going to give my life to seeing the extermination of false doctrine. He loved truth so much, or at least what he thought was truth, that he was willing to kill off. Amen. Those that didn't have it, those that that were in false doctrine. He had that desire, that sincere desire to do the will of God. And it's that sincere desire that you and I have that as we bring it before the Lord, amen, that God will say, I'm going to reveal some light to you. Whether, Whether your name is Cornelius or whether your name is Saul of Tarsus. If you've got that sincere desire that that says, I want to know God. I want to do the will of God. I want to please Him. I'm going to tell you, it won't be long before God shows up in your life. And there's some light that shines. And God begins to speak to you and say, my name is Jesus. My name is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's going to be a hard a hard fight when you're fighting against doing the will of God. It's a hard battle fighting against God. Amen. Perhaps you have experienced that in your own walk with God, fighting against God. And God says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. You say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's going to be a hard battle. It's going to be a hard battle. But I'm going to tell you, God wants to take somebody today from darkness to light. God wants to reveal light in somebody's life today. Amen. It is not the will of God that you live and spend your life in a constant state of darkness. A, a, as it were, a groping in the darkness, trying to find your way, stumbling over this and stumbling over that. Amen. I am guilty many times. I always close my eyes when I pray. You probably see that. I close my eyes when I preach. I'm trying to focus. There's so many times I close my eyes when I pray. Yesterday I was here praying. I was walking back and forth with my eyes closed. And I was tripping over chairs and benches. And oh man, I stubbed my toe and I hit my shin. And I was like, I gotta open my eyes some more. But I'm trying to focus. And, and I guess you should close your eyes and walk around. It's not a healthy practice. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience. But that's oftentimes what we're doing. We've got our eyes closed. And there's, or there's darkness all around and we think we know what we're doing and we think we remember the path and we're trying to go from here to there and we're stumbling over this uh, illicit relationship and we're stumbling over this uh, the sin of our the secret sin and we're, we're stumbling over this area and, and, and bitterness trips us up all the time and, and all of these different areas in our lives and, and, and there's so many things that we trip over because we're living in darkness and we can't seem to get from here to over there we can't even seem to get any further towards God because we're tripping over sins and we're, we're walking in darkness and we're, we're struggling with all of these different things in life that come against us. Amen. But God wants to, as it were, flip the light switch on and begin that you might be able to see, oh, that's who Jesus is. That's who God is. That's where I need to go. I need to watch out for this area in my life. I need to watch out for that stumbling block and maybe go this route. When you're living in the light and not in the darkness, it's a much more comfortable, it's a much more uh, beautiful path. Amen. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then Jesus again, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. I want to tell you the opposite is true. As long as you're not following after Jesus, if you're following after the uh, the Apostle Paul, if you're following after 
uh, Peter, if you're falling after uh, some man, if you're falling after your mom or dad, amen, that's not going to bring light to your life. But it's only when you say, I'm going to set my sights upon that man called Jesus and I'm going to follow after him. I'm going to not try and be like my dad. I'm going to not try and be like my mom. I'm going to try and be like Jesus. Amen. My parents may have messed up. I may have had an alcoholic father. Amen. An alcoholic mama. I may have had drug addict parents. I may have had an uncle that abused me. But I'm going to turn away from that. And I'm going to pursue the things of God. I'm going to put my eyes upon him. And the Bible says that if I'll follow him, I'll not walk in darkness. I'll not walk in darkness. I'll not walk in darkness. Jesus never proclaimed to be one of the ways to know God. He never said, well, I'm just one of your many choices to know God. Jesus never stood before the people and said, I'm going to give you a multiple choice question how to be saved. You can either choose me or you can choose uh, the great uh, religious leaders uh, throughout the ages of time. You can choose all of these different leaders. Amen. But either way, you're going to get to the same place. Jesus never said that. But what he did say was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say we are the light of the world, referring to a holy trinity. He said, I am the light of the world. Amen. There's but one God, and his name is Jesus. Amen. When that light, amen, that shined about Saul's life on the road to Damascus spoke in response to his question. It did not say, the light did not say, I'm the second person of the Trinity. I'm the third person of the Trinity. I'm the father of the Trinity. You know, he said, I am Jesus. Amen. Who art thou, Lord? Amen. There's one person I see. There's one voice I'm hearing. And that voice spoke back and said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. And I want to tell you, as long as you're following Jesus, you're going to find yourself walking in the light. And there's no darkness. Amen. But you shall have the light of life. In other words, you're going to know abundant life. You're going to know life and that more abundantly when you're following after Him. Amen. It's not living in, uh, it's not living uh, depressed and full of anxiety, full of the sicknesses. Amen. But God wants to set you free today. Amen. God wants to lead somebody from darkness to light. God wants to shine His light upon your life that you might know how to deal with the circumstances and the situations that you encounter in life. You say, what are some characteristics of the darkness as it uh, relates or in direct opposition to the characteristics that are in the light? What does it mean, amen? What does it look like going from darkness to light? Amen. Going from darkness to light can be found in the book of Matthew's Matthew chapters number 5, 6, and 7, as Jesus tells, uh, preaches that great Sermon on the Mount. We've all heard that Sermon on the Mount, perhaps even read it ourselves, that red letter edition, and begin to glean, amen, glean some wisdom, glean some hope from the words that Jesus spoke. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to show in contradistinction uh, what darkness is as opposed to light. Amen. The darkness, amen, he begins to talk about the sixth commandment about murder was external action. Jesus expanded this to uh, rash anger without a cause. He began to say, if you, if you, uh, uh, if you want to, if you're filled with anger and you want to kill your brother, that's a sin. Amen. I'm not waiting for you to commit the act of murder, but that rage that you've got on the inside, it needs to be dealt with. And Jesus says the the fix for that is to be reconciled as a brother. It's to be reconciled as to go and say, hey man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that thing I said. I got an attitude I struggle with. And I'm asking God to help me. And I pray you forgive me. Can we be friends? That takes Holy Ghost. That takes Holy Ghost. I never met somebody. As long as I've been alive. That was in darkness. That had that that spirit. That didn't just say forgive me man. 
I want to keep my job. I said, I want to be a brother. I want to be a friend. That comes through the Holy Ghost. Yes, amen. The darkness, living in darkness, is fear. There's, there's that rage that can build up on the inside of you that you want to kill somebody. And that's what Jesus begins to talk about. And he says on the opposite side is the ability to... To forgive and to be reconciled as a brother. It's to be able to, to walk alongside a brother Terrence and say, Man, I want to be brothers. I want to be good friends. I, I, I apologize for my actions. Amen. The darkness is filled with rage and with anger and murderous thoughts. But in the light, amen, there's reconciliation. There's a familial relationship that takes place. That's why when you come to God and only in the church house, if you look around this auditorium today, and I'm so proud of this fact that there's people of multiple ethnicities, multiple walks of life. Amen. That's what it looks like. Amen. I don't care what the skin color is. Amen. What your bank account shows. Amen. Who your daddy is. Amen. If you want to live for God, if you want to please him, and you're willing to come alongside me, we'll be brothers. We'll be sisters. I'm not going to judge you based on the outside skin color. I'm not going to base you back based on how fat your wallet is. Hallelujah. In darkness, Jesus talks about the seventh commandment, uh, about the adult, the sin of adultery or that sexual sin, that external action again. And he further expands it to include adulterous thoughts and lusts and desires of the heart that say, I want my neighbor's wife. I, I'm looking at her and I want to take her to bed. Or I'm looking at him and I want to do this, this and that. Amen. God begins to condemn that. And in, instead of that, God says you need to have some pure thoughts. Amen. Which suppress the first rising of lust. To deal with the thought life. Amen. God wants to take care of the thoughts that pass through your mind. Amen. God wants to uh, work in your heart that you no longer struggle with lust. You no longer struggle with adulterous tendencies. Amen. But you can be faithful. In the world we were philanderers. In the world we were whoremongers. In the world we were X, Y, and Z. But in Christ, when the light shined upon us. And we're living in the light and we're following him. We live a pure life. Amen. Hallelujah. We can live a pure life. Right. In the darkness, it is filled with revenge. For the Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, it has been said of old time, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you punch me in the nose, I'm going to punch you back in the nose. If you trip me and I fall and scrape my knee, I'm going to trip you. I'm going to, I'm going to mess up your knee. I'm going to give you back what you did to me. And the Lord begins to talk about that darkness type of living. Amen. And God uh, forbids, God's word forbids private, personal revenge. Amen. That's what his word uh, forbids. But in the light, amen, you can have forgiveness. In the light, you can, amen, turn the other cheek or go the extra mile or give the person who asked for your coat, your coat also. Amen. In the light, amen, there is forgiveness. When you come to God, amen, you've got to cast down a spirit of heaviness and bitterness before the Lord and say, God, I've got ill feelings towards my brother, towards my sister. I'm going to lay down that heavy load of bitterness at the altar, God. And I'm going to pray you bless him. I'm going to pray you bless that man uh, that did nasty things to me. I'm going to pray you bless my boss who talked down to me. I'm going to pray you bless my neighbor who's stealing from my flower bed, whatever it is. Amen. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to pray, God, that if, if they ask me to go one mile, I'm going to go two miles. Because I can forgive. That's what living in the light is. It's not just showing up to church on Sunday morning. And lifting your hand and say I'm living in the light. Because I, I go to church. And I worship God. But it's when you get out of here. I'm going to continue following after Jesus. I'm going to live in the light. Every day. In the darkness say amen. There's the, there's the, uh, the ability. The tendency to have prejudices. To be even racist. You look at uh, the 
the lowest depravity of man today, when you go to see those that are completely at the rock bottom of society, in the prisons, and you see the whites here, the blacks there, the Mexicans here, the Asians here, and everybody is just full of prejudice and racist. That's the darkness. But in the light, I love you. I love you as a brother. I love you as a sister. Let's go to lunch together. Let's get coffee. I don't care if somebody sees me hanging out with you. God can take away that prejudice and God can put some impartiality within us. It's not, I can't be seen with you because I drive a Mercedes and you drive a, a Pinto or a Hugo or whatever it would be. Hey, you're in Christ. Right. Let's get some coffee. Let's sit and let's talk. There's no prejudice. There's no uh, discrimination. It's still with the impartiality. In the darkness, it's still with hypocrisy. The Lord tells in the Sermon on the Mount about religious people who gave in such a way that everybody knew exactly how much they gave. He talked about religious people that prayed so loud that everybody knew what they were praying. He talked about religious people that fasted to the point where, uh, to the point, and they want to make sure everybody smelled them. Everybody knew exactly, yeah, that person's fasting. Look at the scruff on their face. Look at the smell coming from them. Look at the rags and the sackcloth and the ashes. And they did it so everybody would say, man, what a spiritual dude. Man, that guy, he's just, look at him. He's put on Instagram. I'm going to church again to fast and pray. I'll be there from 8 to 4 if anybody needs me. Here I am again at the church praying. Come on. That's what darkness is. You can be doing what is right in your eyes, but be absolutely wrong. In the light, there's pure motives. There's not that hypocrisy. There's that going into the prayer closet. Nobody knows what's happening in the room when Brother Nathan goes into his room and locks the door. Nobody knows. The neighbors can't hear him. He's got that middle room. He, Brother Nathan lives with my parents. He's got the middle room in the house. That used to be the whooping room. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was the whooping room. When you was a bad, bad boy, we're going to go to the middle room. Nobody can hear you in there. And mom and dad, amen, taught us how to break dance. Grabbed us by one hand and was sliding around the floor. Screaming and screaming and screaming. No, daddy, don't spank me. I love you. I love Jesus. I'll say all the right things to get out of spanking. Brother Nathan's got the, the whooping room. He can go in there and pray, and nobody will know it but him and Jesus. Amen. But you'll know it eventually because he's going to walk out of that room, and there's going to be a glow upon his face. There's going to be a smile that goes from ear to ear. There's going to be some hugs that ensue. And people say, you've been praying, huh? Yeah. He didn't tell nobody. They saw it. That's the pureness. That's the pure motives. In darkness, and we're moving along. In darkness, it's filled with greed. Where we just say, I want to keep everything for me. Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Some people are so filled with material, uh, a drive for material possessions and gain. Their house is packed full of stuff. Their house is filled with every nook, every little uh, trinket and toy and, and as seen on TV device and, and all these different things. And they acquire, 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 acquire. And it's filled. But their spiritual well-being, their spiritual storehouse, bone dry, empty. 
Jesus talks about that spirit of greed that can get a hold of us. And he flips the coin and says, when you're living in the light, there's a spirit of generosity that will give upon you. And suddenly you begin to shift from putting treasures on this earth and you begin laying up treasures in heaven. You say, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? Oftentimes it looks like an offering basket on the altar or held by an usher. And sometimes it's just, God, I'm going to be faithful in my tithe. I'm going to be faithful in my offering. I could keep it back, but I'm going to give it to you, God. Treasures in heaven. Some people have storage containers here on earth, multiple storage containers. Others have storage containers in heaven. Yeah, that one right there is for Sister Lucy in heaven. It's a big container. Just to put it up. Treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Because I'm following after Jesus. I'm following after him. In darkness, he talks about the Sermon on the Mount continues. There's the spirit of worry and anxiety that feel and captivate and capture a person's soul. How am I going to make ends meet tomorrow? How are we going to pay the bills next month? How are we going to do this? And I'm worried about Johnny going off to school by himself. What if a plane lands and crashes on him and all these craziness? And filled with anxiety. And Jesus, in the, in the word of God, it says, Take no thought for yourself what ye what shall eat or drink or how you're going to be clothed. Because if God closes, if he clothes the grass of the field, amen, he's going to take care of you. Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, amen, but your heavenly Father provides for them. Consider the sparrow that falls to the ground that God sees it. I'm going to tell you that lily of the field, all that it does is it stands erect, amen, in perfect alignment with the sun. As long as I'm in perfect alignment, with the Son, as long as I'm in perfect alignment with God, He's going to take care of me if I keep my relationship red hot, if I'll be submitted to the man of God, if I'll be faithful to the things of God, all I've got to do is stand and wait upon the Lord, and God will provide every need that I've got, every toil, every care, every worry, every anxiety. I'm just going to stand and I'm going to be in perfect alignment with the will of God. Amen. Worry's got to go. Anxiety's got to go. All the fear has got to go. I'm going to stand and I'm going to trust in God. That's what living in the light is all about. Hallelujah. The one final thing. Living in the darkness, constantly susceptible to the spirit of judgmentalism, finding fault with everyone and everything around you. Jesus talks about that. We, we, we might call it, you might call it, I've got the gift of suspicion. I feel my gift of suspicion going off right now. But in the light, is a tolerant, patient, long-suffering spirit. He says, I'm going to keep praying for that person. I'm going to keep being a good influence. I'm going to keep uh, reaching out to them. I'm going to help them. It took us a long time to come to God. Some of us, it took years. Some of us, it was just an overnight thing. But somebody invested Bible study after Bible study, after Bible study. And somebody, somebody toiled, somebody prayed, somebody didn't give up on you and you was unfaithful to God and you you showed up here and there in church and, and you were, uh, you just looked like a wreck and nobody judged you, but they said, come on in. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to help, I'm going to ask God to help you and God's going to make a way. So that living in darkness was that spirit of rage, the ability, uh, the tendency for uh, adulterous relationships. It was a spirit of revenge. It was that 
hate your enemies. Even Jesus said, love your enemies. In, in darkness, it was a prejudice spirit. It was a hypocrisy spirit. It was a greedy spirit. It was an anxiety spirit. Amen. But when you moved and God began to work in your life and you came into the light and you began pursuing after God, amen, God helped you to be reconciled to your brother, to build again that family relationship in the house of God. God cleansed your thoughts. He gave you pure thoughts. He gave you the ability the power to forgive amen God helped you to love your enemies and pray for them that were using you amen how many of you have ever experienced somebody that just used you they used you you felt I've been so used I never felt so used in my life the Bible says to pray for them which despitefully used you God I'm praying you would help them I'm praying you save them they're using me. I'm being used and abused. God, I pray you touch them. That's what living in the light is. It's being able to pray for your enemies. It's being able to look at somebody else with impartiality. It's being able to have pure motives in your pursuit of doing right. It's the ability to be generous when it comes to the giving time. It's the ability, amen, amen, to be contented, amen, and not be so full of worry. It's the ability, amen, to be patient and kind. It's the ability to do all of those things. And the Apostle Paul said to King Agrippa, I was on that road to Damascus. And God began talking to me. I began seeing some light. And I began changing my ways. When God finds you, he begins to work in your life. And you never, God never leaves you the way that he finds you. God didn't say, on that road to Damascus, I'm Jesus. I just want you to know that. FYI, go ahead and go to Damascus and keep doing what you're doing. See you later. There's a revelation. No. God said, I want you to go find Barnabas. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Here's some blindness. I want you to really know what darkness is like. Because when you set out in a few months to preach about light, I want you to have a greater appreciation for it. I want you to appreciate the light so much. Here's some blindness. Some of you are dealing with things. Not because God is mean or God's getting revenge upon you. But God wants you to know what some things are like. Amen. What some troubles and some trials and tribulations are like. Because God wants to use you. God wants to prosper you. And God wants you to have an appreciation. Amen. I did not grow up. Amen. Always having a nice, having nice things. There were so many years in our lives with Paul. Amen. Where we had bare, nasty, dirty cupboards. Amen. Mom and dad made sacrifices. They did a fantastic job. But oftentimes it meant us doing without. Amen. Oftentimes it meant going from one broke down car to another broke down car. So they could put us to Christian school. Amen. Going to every single goodwill in the area so we could have some clothes to wear. And I never, I was telling Brother Miguel some time ago, I never thought I'd be able to have a nice home. A new car. I would never know what that was like. But when I have it, when God bless me, I appreciate it. And I can reach down and say to somebody else, God can do it. God can bring you out of that. I know what it's like to tell mom and dad, go around the corner. Do not drop me off in front of the school. No, that's that's a no-no. Do not. I know what it's like, amen, to, to wait at a bus stop. Because we only had one broke down car. And everybody's driving by looking at you. You feel so dejected. He gave me an appreciation. And some things that you and I are dealing with today. And so that you would know what it's like. And so that down the road you could tell somebody else. I walked that road too, Julia. I walked that road. He was faithful. You say, really? Yeah, he, he helped me. I, I had the same situation. He helped me. I know what it's like to see the hard knocks of life, but I also know what it's like to know that God can lift me up and put my feet on a path that's straight. 
I know what it's like for God to deliver me from this and that. If we could stand to our feet tonight, this morning, this afternoon. The book of Matthew, chapter 7. The words of Jesus. He says, ask, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one, not some one, not some people, every one, every one that asketh, receive it. And he that seeketh, find it. There's no asterisk next to that word saying, see exceptions below. It's he that seeketh, find it. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Hallelujah. He that is knocking at the door, and the door will be opened to you. Or what man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Jesus. If my baby is asking for milk, this little five and a half month old baby, if she's crying out for milk, and that's the only thing that's going to suffice, I do not give her a rock or a piece of bark and say, chew on this, baby. Think it's some kind of a sick joke. God doesn't do that. If you're asking bread today, if you're asking for some sustenance, if you're asking for some help today, amen, the God of heaven says, I'm not going to give you some generic substitute. If you ask a fish, I'm not going to give you a serpent. And if you... If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, if us as sinners, amen, formed in iniquity, amen, amen, we were born in sin, if us know how to do nice things for our kids, and we're, we're evil by nature, we're sinners saved by grace, if we know how to do that, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Yes. I'm going to tell you, when you come to this altar in a few moments, it's your father down here at the altar saying, come, my child. What do you have need of? All you've got to do is ask, and you're going to receive. All you've got to do is seek, and you're going to find. All you've got to do is knock, and the door's going to be open. I'm your father, and I want to do good things for you. I want to bring you from a state of darkness into living in the light. Living in the light. The final thing I want to say tonight, this this afternoon. Saul of Tarsus, it was said that he was kicking against the pricks. He was fighting against, in other words, that revelation that the Jews had received about salvation in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 38. Saul of Tarsus was fighting against what was delivered to the apostles in Acts, chapter 2, 38. Sister Gina, do you have that scripture, please? This is the message that Saul of Tarsus was fighting against. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was fighting against that, and God said, I am Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You need, a, you need some light. And he said, go to Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas began to tell the Apostle Paul. He began to tell Saul of Tarsus, this is what you're fighting against. And Jesus is saying, this is truth. This is light. This is the plan of salvation. This is what you've been fighting against. You've been living with the spirit of revenge. You've been having some bitterness. You've been dealing with some issues, Saul. But I want to tell you, Saul, God wants to put his light upon you. And it's only, it's only 
Hear me closely today. It's only when you repent of your sins. You say, God, forgive me of my sins. I am going to turn away. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change the direction I'm going. I repent. It's only when you repent. And you, as the scripture says, Sister Jean, are you able to mess with these scriptures and type in different words? It's a Bible app. You cannot change this Bible app unless you're a programmer. Sister Jean, are you a programmer? So these words are exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized before and they didn't say the name of Jesus over your life. If they said the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost over your life. You need to get re-baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. And the Bible says the third part of this here is you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The gift of the Holy Ghost is not a gift only for Sister Shannon Camarina. And everybody else says, I wish I had the gift she has. The Holy Ghost is not a gift for Brother Terrence Stooley. And all the young men say, I really wish I could have that, but I ain't Terrence Stooley. The gift of the Holy Ghost, every one of us. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you, the Bible says in the next verse, unto your children, unto all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I'm going to say today, God is calling somebody today. God's saying, if you want to go from darkness to light, if you want to know what it's like to be able to pray for your enemies in Christ, if you want to know what it's like to be generous and have impartiality and get rid of the racism and get rid of the prejudices, if you want to know what it's like, amen, to to get rid of that spirit of rage and have a brother be reconciled to your brother, if you want to live in the light, if you want to go from darkness to light, this is a plan right behind me that God has put in motion. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infill of the Holy Ghost. I'd like for us right now, if you will, if you'd be so kind, so respectful, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands to God. I'd like for everybody, if you would, just close your eyes and lift your hands to God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you in a prayer if you wanna. If you, if you mean this, I want you to pray for yourself. God, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. God, I pray, Lord, you would wash me. I pray you would cleanse me, Lord. God, I repent, God, of my sins, Lord. God, I want to turn away from my ways, from following after darkness, and I want to follow after light, God. I pray, God, you lead me to the light. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I'm not going to pursue my own will anymore. I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. God, forgive me, God. I repent of my sins. Cleanse me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me, Lord. The second part, the second part to the scripture here. is being baptized in Jesus' name. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, the word baptism means, in its literal form, immersion. If you haven't been immersed or covered in water and had the name of Jesus called over your life, I would not leave this place this morning, this afternoon, without being baptized in Jesus' name. And the final part of this here today is the promise 
of the Holy Ghost. It is the Spirit of God that comes to reside in your heart and my heart. And the sign, the sign, the sign that the Holy Ghost has moved from out here to inside of you is the Bible says you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance or gives you the ability. The Spirit of God will move inside of you. It will take residence in your heart. And when that happens, you will speak in other tongues. You will speak in other tongues. And we read it. If you're asking, if you're knocking, if you're seeking, you're going to get what you're looking at, what you're looking for. If you want the Holy Ghost, we pray you repent it. If you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to come to this front altar. And I want you to come with your hands uplifted. And I want you to come worshiping the Lord. Come on, if you want the Holy Ghost, this altar is available today.